0: Chapter 15 The Ascension and the Session The Apostles' Creed declares that Jesus Christ not only rose again from the dead, but that he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Two very closely related doctrines are here cited the Ascension and the Session. The Ascension is the visible passing of Christ from earth to heaven in the presence of his disciples. It occurred on the Mount of Olives, 40 days after the resurrection, Mark 16, 19, Luke 24, 50, 51, Acts 1, 1-11. The ascension was predicted by the Old Testament, Psalms 24, 68, 103, 110, and by Christ, John 6, 62, 20, 17. It was prefigured by the translation of Enoch, Genesis 5, 24, Hebrews 11:5. 5 and of Elijah 2 Kings 2:11. The New Testament deals doctrinally with the ascension in 2 Corinthians 13:4, Ephesians 2:6, 4:10, 1 Peter 3:22, 1 Timothy 3:16, and Hebrews 6:20. Neither the doctrine, nor the predictive prophecies, nor the event will be accepted by those who as a matter of humanist faith deny the infallible word. The fourth article of the Articles of Religion of the Church of England and the Protestant Episcopal Church reads, Christ did truly rise again from death, and took again his body with flesh, bones, and all things, appearing to the perfection of man's nature, wherewith he ascended into heaven, and there sitteth, until he returned to judge all men at the last day. The Westminster Larger Catechism deals with the matter in several questions. In two of these it is declared, Question 51. What was the estate of Christ's exaltation? Answer. The estate of Christ's exaltation comprehendeth his resurrection, ascension, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and His coming again to judge the world. Question 53. How was Christ exalted in his ascension? Answer. Christ was exalted in his ascension in that, having after his resurrection often appeared unto and conversed with his apostles, speaking to them the things that pertaining to the kingdom of God, and giving them commission to preach the gospel to all nations, forty days after his resurrection, he in our nature, and as our head, triumphing over enemies, visibly went up into the highest heavens, there to receive gifts for men, to raise up our affections thither, and to prepare a place for us where he himself is and shall continue till his second coming at the end of the world. Bishop Pearson, in his commentary on the creed, spoke of the ascension as transient, as the way, and the session as permanent, as the end. Pearson added, As therefore, when we say Christ ascended, we understand a literal and local ascent, not of his divinity, which possesseth all places, and therefore being everywhere, is not subject to the imperfection of removing any whither but of his humanity, which was so in one place that it was not in another. So when we say the place into which he ascended was heaven, and from the exposition of the apostles must understand thereby the heaven of heavens, or the highest heavens, it followeth that we believe the body with the soul of Christ to have passed far above all those celestial bodies which we see, and to look upon that opinion as a low conceit which left his body in the sun. Pearson's last reference to Christ leaving his body in the sun was to a doctrine taught by the Hermians, a heretical sect of the 2nd century who denied that water baptism was taught by Christ. The Hermians held that man's soul was made of fire and spirit, and the true baptism was by fire. The Seleucians, followers of Seleus, a philosopher of Galatia, who adopted Valentinian Gnosticism around 380, taught that Jesus adopted a body for appearance only, not an actual flesh and blood body. The world was not created by God, but was held to be eternal. The soul was animated fire, created by the angels. Christ said that Seleucians was not in session with the Father, but had left his body in the Son. They also denied water baptism. For them, all the pleasures of happiness are physical, corporal delights. The position of both groups was basically Manichaean, a point made by Gregory, Nazarene, and Augustine. Gregory, Nazaresian Epistle one Add, clindamum page 739, Augustine, track 34, in loan 2. The Manichaean attack was on the ascension as the way to the session, i.e. to prevent the God-centered exaltation of Christ's redeemed saints in order to make possible man's autonomous exaltation. The doctrine of the session is the perpetual presence of our Lord's human nature in the highest glory of heaven at the right hand of God the Father. The body of Jesus Christ is thus locally and physically present in heaven, and hence it is the Holy Spirit whom he sends to men. The result of this exaltation of the session is that it brings the redeemed to God into the divine presence in closest communion. It made possible the exaltation of all the saints into the communion of heaven, that where I am, thee may also be, John 14-3. The Session is repeatedly cited in the Gospels and Epistles, but Mark's story of the Ascension is unique in citing the Session in that context, Mark 16:19. In the scriptures, the Ascension, Session, and Second Coming are all closely linked together to the Resurrection and the Last Judgment. They are part of the exaltation and victory of Jesus Christ. Davies, in commenting on the fact that to St. Paul Christ is Lord by virtue of his resurrection and ascension, stated, so closely allied with this conception of the ascension that it is all but indistinguishable from it is the further belief that the ascension issues in the enthronement of Christ in messianic majesty as king at the right hand of God. For he must reign till he hath put all his enemies under his feet. 1 Corinthians 15.25 Thus, through the ascension, Christ has become God's vice-regent over the universe. Yet his reign is not one of peace, but of glorious warfare, as he continues to subject all things unto himself. Philippians 3.21 By the ascension, God exalted Jesus Christ to the status of Lord, wherefore God Also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 9-11 Prior to the Incarnation, men of faith saw God's hand in history and accepted it, but their sense of desolation and loneliness was expressed by David in Psalm 22. That isolation was experienced to the uttermost by Christ on the cross, and it was ended by his ascension and session. Man now is restored to communion with God in Christ, and the communion is closer than that of Eden. Man in the presence of Jesus Christ sits in session with the triune God in warfare against evil and in judgment over it. The subject of Revelation is the wrath of the Lamb, Revelation 6:16, 6, against the oppressors of his people. The ascension of Christ is declared to be the presentation of the first fruits of the new humanity to God the Father. 1 Corinthians 15:23. The first of everything belonged to God according to the law, to indicate that all things, men, animals, crops, were His in their totality. The first fruits, therefore, represented the symbolic dedication of the entire fruit. Moreover, if the first fruits were holy, the lump was also holy. Romans 11.16, i.e. the entirety partakes of the character of the representative. Christ is the first fruit of the new creation, of the new humanity created by God. He is the second and last Adam. 1 Corinthians 15.47-49 Therefore, ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Romans 8.23 In the ascension the whole body of the elect is presented to the father holy in the first fruit jesus christ in the session the whole body of the elect is present at the right hand of god the father declaring war on the ungodly and seeking redress for the evils they have suffered that victory which the elect seek is assured by the ascension which marks the reversal of man's verdict upon jesus of nazareth by the verdict of god This teaching was strongly emphasized by the early church. Justin Martyr emphasized the doctrine of election, together with the ascension, declaring, And that God the Father of all would bring Christ to heaven after he had raised him from the dead, and would keep him there until he had subdued his enemies, the devils, and until the number of those who are foreknown by him as good and virtuous is complete, on whose account he has still delayed the consummation. Hear what was said by the prophet David. These are his words, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send to thee the rod of power out of Jerusalem, and rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. With thee is the government in the day of thy power, in the beauties of thy saints. From the womb of the morning have I begotten thee. Psalm, X, C, 1, etc. That which he says... He shall send to thee the rod of power out of Jerusalem, is predicative of the mighty word which his apostles going forth from Jerusalem preached everywhere, and though death is decreed against those who teach or at all confess the name of Christ, we everywhere both embrace and teach it. And if you also read these words in a hostile spirit, ye can do no more, as I said before, than kill us, which indeed does no harm to us, but to you and all who unjustly hate us and do not repent, bring eternal punishment by fire. The confidence of the early church is here clearly apparent. Christ has ascended to triumph. Although the enemies of Christ may kill the Christians, it is the enemies who have cause to fear if they do not repent, because Christ is the great Lord and judge over all men. The ascension of Christ is the exaltation of all the elect. Athanasius declared, And the term in question, highly exalted, does not signify that the essence of the word was exalted, for he was ever and is equal to God. But the exaltation is of manhood. Chrysostom said of this exaltation, We who appeared unworthy of earth have been led up today into the heavens. We who were not worthy of the preeminence below have ascended to the kingdom above. We have scaled the heavens. We have attained the royal throne. And that nature, on whose account the cherubim guarded paradise, today sits above the cherubim. Thus, the ascension is the necessary prelude to the intercession. Davies noted, By means of the Ascension, the believers intercede with God against the evil ones, and their victory is assured in Christ. Of the Feast of the Ascension, one anonymous preacher declared, Every Christian festival condemns the devil, but this one especially. Concerning the Session and Intercession, the larger Catechism of the Westminster Divines declared, Question 45 How was Christ exalted in his sitting at the right hand of God? Answer Christ is exalted in his sitting at the right hand of God, in that as God-man, he is advanced to the highest favor with God the Father, with all fullness of joy, glory, and power over all things in heaven and earth, and doth gather and defend his church, and subdue their enemies, furnisheth his ministers and people with gifts and grace, and maketh intercession for them. Question 55. How doth Christ make intercession? Answer. Answer. Christ maketh intercession by his appearing in our nature continually before the Father in heaven, in the merit of his obedience and sacrifice on earth, declaring his will to have it applied to all believers, answering all accusations against them, and procuring for them quiet of conscience, notwithstanding daily failings, access with boldness to the throne of grace, and acceptance of their persons and services. To be seated at the right hand is to be seated in the position of trust and power. Pearsons wrote that, The right hand of God signifies the glorious majesty of God, the exceeding great and infinite power of God. It is the right hand of power. Matthew 26:64, Mark 14:62, Luke 22:69. Among its many meanings, it means the right hand of judicature, so that Christ is thereby manifested and declared to be the great judge of the quick and the dead. It is Christ's inheritance in its full promised meeting of the throne of David, Acts 2:36. Both temporal and spiritual enemies shall be made his footstool, Hebrews 10, 12, 13. According to Pearsons, for the destruction of these powers was Christ exalted to the right hand of God, and by his regal office doth he subdue and destroy them all. Christ destroys the power of sin in his saints and he subjugates the reprobate to his absolute power eternally. Death is also destroyed by Christ. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty. Enemies we all have been, under his feet we shall be, either adopted or subdued. There is not limitation to Christ's power. The cession signifieth an omnipotent power, able to do all things without limitation." The apostate activities of man are imitative, because man is not God. His thinking, therefore, is not creative, but analogical. Man's wisdom is to think God's thoughts after him, to understand the universe and itself in terms of God's creative purpose and prior interpretation. Apostate man plans a world order in terms of God's kingdom, but without God. First, man's dream of the kingdom is imminent the kingdom, a paradise on earth, is entirely of this world. It originates in man, and is to be man's private world and possession, an area held without benefit of God, and with God held at bay. Instead of a transcendental unity, man seeks therefore a temporal unity. Since the true order is of man, the unity and authority for that order must be located and held within history by man. Second, This one world order is to be the exaltation of man by man, and this humanistic dream calls for man's exaltation in contempt of God and as an offensive action against him. The very exaltation of man in this perspective involves war against God as the very ground of man's exaltation. Third, the humanistic doctrine of the session sees man as the lord of history. The elite scientific planners, as the epitome of free man, are to sit in the position of omnipotence and power and govern man and nature. History involves, therefore, inescapable warfare. God, having created man in his image, offered man the position of vice-regent under God over creation. Man sought this same position in autonomy from God and in rebellion against God. God in Christ reestablished man, restored him to grace, and opened afresh by the recreation of man in Christ man's glorious destiny. The divine session is the sole and total omnipotence and government of the Trinity over all creation. Man is given a favorable position in the divine session, a position made possible by grace and received by the total submission and obedience of Jesus Christ. Man's own exaltation in the eternal kingdom involves his own perfect sanctification after death. The government is God's, not man's, and man's position in perfect obedience is that of vice regent, not that of God. The purpose of humanism, of every non-Christian movement, and of all heresy and apostasy is to seize the throne for man, to place man in the place of God, and to create a man-centered session over all creation and history. The Unitarian poet, William C. Gannett, saw man's fulfillment in this ascension of man to become God. Writing in 1871, he declared that everyone's last name is God. It's Mary, Maud, and Katie, John God, and Willie God. For Frederick L. Hosmer, writing in 1904, The City of Man, The Commonwealth of Man is the City of Our God. In 1918, Gannett saw the coming peace conference as a new Sinai. Humbly, forgivingly, then shall the nations seek them together, a Sinai untrod, hear the new law in a trist of the peacemakers, frame a new world for the peoples of God. In 1904, Gannett saw the coming glory as the glory of the man complete. This new man-god would go onward, upward, through the ages, shaping nature to its plan. This was a romantic expression of the apostate dream. The practical demonstration of the same hope is less poetic. During the French Revolution, plans were made to depopulate France by killing 12 to 15 millions of the French people in order to effect a revolutionary transfiguration. The scheme was actually explained in print. It was held that depopulation was essential. Guffroy, in his journal, expressed the opinion that only 5 million people should be allowed to survive. Whilst Robespierre was reported to have said that a population of two millions would be more than enough, others asserted that eight millions was the figure generally agreed on by the leaders. The humanistic order claims for itself the absolute right of judgment, which properly belongs only to God. Thus, Joshua Lederberg, Ph.D., professor of genetics at Stanford, has said in Defending Abortion... We cannot insist on absolute rights to life of a piece of tissue just because it bears a resemblance to humanity. The plain implication is that the state should have this absolute right. Unless the ascension and session of Jesus Christ be confessed, men will seek their own ascension into omnipotence and their own session of absolute power over man. For a man to confess Christ and to espouse statism or socialism is to involve himself in serious contradiction and the practical denial of Christ. The divine session and the statist-socialist session are mutually exclusive and incompatible. Calvin said of the ascension and session that it meant that Christ was inaugurated in the government of heaven and earth. The essence of the humanistic and socialistic state is that it is the enthronement of man into the government of heaven and earth. The consequence is warfare against God and Christ. There is no victory possible for men who wage war against God. But neither is there any hope for men who, in the direct line of fire, fail to see that a war is on.